What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ballsy, America's record-setting podcast, or at least in our own I don't know. I wouldn't say America's. I would say the world's record-setting. Actually, probably the morning news is record-setting. There you go. There you go. Okay. But last week was a big, big week. The morning news is our world. It is our world. It's a very small world. I'm Evan Grant. I'm joined by Kevin Sherrington. Hello. And Barry Horn. Good day. And for today's college podcast, we're going to get into some signing day stuff we're going to go into kevin's column from last week in which he obviously trashed the university of texas (laughs) i wouldn't say trash university of texas but that's how a lot of texas fans took it that well that's the way it came out and so fortunately we've got gabe brooks from scout.com the midland scouting analyst for uh scout.com gabe how are you i'm good how are y'all doing we're we're getting along we Ready for signing day to be here and, and over with. How, how are you Signing day, of course, is Wednesday. We need to clear up. That's a good point. Yeah. It is Wednesday. February 3rd? Very good, Barry. Okay, let's go. Gabe, how are you doing? Because you have got you guys have prospects signing and or committing on a daily basis and decommitting. How, how's it going there? Yeah, uh, in addition to already having uh, camps and combines, that we've attended the past couple of weekends in Dallas and Houston for the 2017 class. So I would like to get the 2016 cycle over with before having to worry about 2017, but apparently uh, we, we're, we're double-dipping and even looking at 2018s at this point. Who, Recruiting is never the top, who is the top-ranked 12-year-old in Texas right now? <laughs> <laughs> My rule is if you've never played varsity ball, then we're, we're, we don't really want to – I think that's a good rule to have. Let, let's get into this real quick. Let me set this up. According to y'all's most recent rankings, uh, Texas, the University of, I believe has the 27th ranked recruiting class at this point in time. Uh, that is, for me, that's a little bit shocking. I'm used to seeing Texas in the top 10. I'm used to seeing them in the top dozen at worst. Uh, and if you look at y'all's re- recruiting uh, list, scout.com being, uh, it looks like you've got TCU at 13, you've got Baylor at 16, you've got Texas Tech at 21, Oklahoma at 23, and A&M at 23 tied with Oklahoma, Texas trailing all of those. Is this a dire situation for Texas in terms of recruiting? I think right now that the, the rankings, uh, you know, again, it's, it's signing day is almost upon us, but they might be a little misleading in the sense that Texas has, I believe, 12 to 15 prospects that will that they are in serious contention for who are announcing on National Signing Day. Uh, they have, I believe, 13 commitments right now, and there's a real possibility they could wind up with 25 uh, on 25 actual signees. And now that would take a, uh, obviously, a huge um, signing day push. But if you look at all the guys who are in play for them who are announcing on National Signing Day, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. 
Do you, do you recall uh, any other situation that's comparable to this where a school has, has made a giant leap on signing day? Well, you know, every every year there are certain schools that, that will make a late push. Uh, you know, Florida State has, already, has always been considered a team to do that. LSU and Alabama are, are usually very good late, but, you know, those are teams that are good early and good late. Um, I don't know if I can think of a, a, of a school getting double-digit guys on the actual national signing day if if Texas uh, they were to do that, that would be, um, I don't know if unprecedented is the word. Uh, somebody who's been doing it longer than I would have a better idea, but uh, it would be, uh, to call it a coup would probably be an understatement. So how far could, if they were to get all those guys, I think, Kevin, you want to get into this a little bit, Well, right? that, was, that was my point I was going to be. If they get all these guys, best case scenario, what do they leap up to? Top 10, top 5? guys at Horns Digest, which is our Texas site, um, they've been number crunching, and if they get a big majority of those those guys who are in play on signing day, um, they believe it will be a top 10 class. And, you know, Texas, they weren't in quite the uh, situation uh, uh, last year that they're in now, but, but it was somewhat similar, they, and they did make a very late push in January, and uh, on signing day uh, to get in the top ten last year, so it's I think what it is for a lot of uh, both fans, uh, Texas fans, and media who uh, who have covered Texas for so many years, the the strategy that Charlie Strong staff uh, that they employ in recruiting is very different from Mac Brown, and uh, a lot of that is. Uh, just it's a very different uh, approach when it comes to when you take guys, how you evaluate guys, and when you take commitments and, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, Mac took them when they were twelve years old. So that that yeah. was that's that's the big difference. And at some point, I know uh, when they were, especially when they were struggling against Oklahoma, uh, as they occasionally would do, uh, you would hear from other, even other coaches in the league that uh, one of Texas' problems that that they were taking these guys so early and not seeing how they played their senior year, and then that was a problem. Did you ever see that as something that actually played out? Is more than anecdotal that actually they were struggling with guys that uh, who didn't uh, really uh, prove out in their senior year of high school? Yeah, I think there was some of that. Uh, you know, I think really more more of it was there were guys that that whether regardless of how well they did, um, their you know latter portions of their high school career, they maybe had had topped out, had hit the peak. Um, I don't know if that was physically or developmentally or both, but if you look at uh, a couple of the the final classes that Brown had at Texas. Uh, there are some big name guys who just really never did much at Texas, and you know it, it's it's hard to judge whether that's uh, they weren't developed right, or they just didn't live up to expectations, or uh, you know you're going to have hits and misses in recruiting. And uh, you know, as a somebody who works for a recruiting service, of course, I'm going to say that more often than not the rankings bear out to be accurate uh, than inaccurate but you know there are going to be guys who are ranked high who never pan out now that you know it can be a combination of things but uh it, it did seem that uh they they had a lot of uh, a lot more misses than they should have and those those 
final couple classes that he had there. Uh, you know, one of the things that I brought up in this column that uh, when the Texas fans in which were, we need to point out yelling at me, the, the first paragraph basically said you had never paid any attention to recruiting anyway. Well, no, I didn't say I'd never pay attention. I'd say that I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, and because I, I leave it to guys like Gabe, who's who's doing his job and is going to tell us who these guys are. I'm not seeing these guys in high school. You know, I I, I want to wait to see what they do when they're in college. Okay, but uh, what I wanted to say was is that one of the, the big points I was making in this column was the fact that with Texas, if if everything goes best case scenario with Charlie and they do have a great class, then then, then good for them. Uh, but the the difference this year is what it certainly seems to be is that that the likes of Baylor and TCU have been beating Texas, although that Texas beat Baylor this year but, uh, when they were down to their four-string quarterback. Uh, even with those kind of developments over the, over the course of, uh, of the last few years, they were doing that with classes ranked in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, and, and now they're having classes, or at least they are right now, ranked uh, you know, 10, 15, right around there. That's a huge leap for TCU. What are they going to do if all of a sudden they're getting players who are that caliber? Well, I think they're just going to continue doing what they're doing. And, and as you've seen in the last, uh, you know, last year and this year, when those teams are healthy, they are uh, they're national contenders. And I think, as you referenced, they had classes that were ranked lower than you'd expect teams that are winning double-digit games. Uh, but what TCU and Baylor, uh, you know, Patterson and Browell, something that they're known for in recruiting is, is – being very good at finding guys that nobody else finds. Uh, a perfect example is Traven Howard uh, from Longview, a safety uh, who was going to go to UTSA, and it was his only FBS offer. And, and late in the process, TCU offers him and, and, and scoops him away from UTSA. And here he is. They moved him to you know one of those those undersized kind of space backer positions at TCU, and he's thriving. Uh, Shock Linwood is a perfect example of that at Baylor. Um, he only had a couple of offers. I believe TCU and Baylor were his only Power Five offers. And, uh, you know, both of those are, are East Texas guys. Uh, Howard from Longview, Linwood from Linden Kill there. Um, those that, that region, especially uh, Baylor and TCU, do a really good job of going in and finding guys who are off the beaten path, so to speak. And, and they develop them, and, and they turn out being a lot better than, than people, uh, you know, thought that they may be coming out of high school just because they're, they don't have the, uh, they're not playing for Allen or Euless Trinity or a, or a more visible high school program. Okay, Gabe, let's talk sp- specifics. Who do you have as the number one player in the state? Greg Little, uh, the offensive tackle from Allen. And where is he going? He is committed to Ole Miss. And who do you have number two? Number two is Ed Oliver from Spring West. Excuse me, Spring Westfield going to uh, uh, the University of Houston, actually. And your number three player is going to the University of Houston, too? I believe number three is Kendall Jones, and okay. he is going to Alabama. And just to help Barry out here, since he doesn't have your list in front of me, I think the number four is Justin. Uh, I'm going to brutalize the name, but it's uh, Madubulke. Uh, Madubike. That was close, Madubike. Madubike. From yeah. McKinney North. He's he's going to A&M. The, f- the fifth yeah. guy is Brandon Jones. That's the guy that Texas could land as, as their biggest flip in state, correct? Yeah, that's right. 
right. That's who, uh, if they're going to make a, a big push and, and a potential uh, top ten push, uh, he is going to be a, a key piece. He is, uh, we have five five stars in Texas this cycle, and he's the fifth one. He's, an, he's our number one safety in the country for the 2016 class. And uh, sometime today, he's supposed to announce uh, a top three. So, You guys have him listed right now with, uh, I think, Texas, A&M, Arkansas, Baylor, and TCU. Is that what his top five, his top five are right now? Those are the five that, that is, you know, there's been some – the, the the most talk about him in in the month of January, um, like I said, he's expected to drop the top three sometime today, and I think most people think it's going to be Texas, Texas A and M, and Baylor. He did take an official visit to Arkansas, uh, but um, I think it's going to be an in-state battle for him. And, and uh, from what we've been hearing. I, I don't. I don't think TCU will be one of those three. So, so what is what is Tom Herman doing at Houston? That uh, on one of your competitors, there, two forty seven sportscom dot com. They have Ed Oliver number two, and then they have Tyree Cleveland. Both guys from Spring Westfield. One a defensive tackle, one a wide receiver. Who in the world is recruiting Spring Westfield for the University of Houston, and how are they getting that caliber of player, especially a defensive tackle? Well, Ed Oliver, uh, he's an interesting case because. His older brother plays for the University of Houston. And then, I believe, in January 2015, uh, Tom Herman hired Corby Meekins uh, as an assistant coach to Houston. Corby Meekins was the head coach at Spring Westfield. So that explains uh, so, that. Do, do, yeah, in, so in the, you've got an instant connection there. And, and a guy, a high school, I think that's a big thing nowadays, and especially in Texas, if you have – uh, if you can hire a high school guy who knows high school coaches, that's going to do a ton of a ton of help. Uh, like Jeff Trailer, uh, Texas, he's their best recruiter, and he has done uh, he has worked wonders for them perception wise with high school coaches. If, if your son was was a top five recruit in the state, what would you tell him to look for in going to a school? Would would coach be very high on the list given the transit nature of of coaching, especially at a school like Houston, where the better he recruits. The better I think, the better the chances are that he'll be moving on because his team team will be better. What would you tell a kid to look for in picking a school? Well, the perception before he gets into this, I mean, the perception in, in nationally right now is that Tom Herman will be coaching at a school in Texas next year. It just won't be Houston. Right. It'll so, be A&M or it'll be Texas. So why would I want to go to Houston if uh, to help Tom Herman leave to go to A&M or Texas, and he'll take his coaching staff with him, and you, I'm left high and dry. What, I may never get to play for him. What, what, would, you, what would you tell him, Gabe? A kid? Well, I think, I think the, uh, there's kind of a saying in recruiting circles that I think um, it can be a bit cliche sometimes, but I think it's 100% spot on in this instance. It's uh, commit to a school, not a coaching staff, and uh, – I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the fatigue that fans get when it comes to following recruiting uh, involves, um, you know, the the word commitment, and then people flipping commitments, and you know, what does commitment really mean if you're not staying to this? Well, a lot of that has to do with coaching changes, and uh, you know, the, uh, making a commitment just means something different to every every recruit as an individual. 
thing in, uh, unto himself. And uh, a lot of that, um, a lot of that recruiting fatigue that I think fans and certain media have, I think, is because of um, staff changes. And I mean, you see it from from early in the process to late in the process. The uh, the the position coach, the, the primary recruiter, uh, that has a huge influence on probably the majority of recruits. And uh, I think a lot of times that they're not looking ahead to see that, well, uh, you know, he he left such and such school for this one. Well, or, you know, they're not looking ahead to see two years later if he's gonna, still going to be at that new school he's at now. So uh, I think that that... Uh, the, the, the coaching, the, the commit to a school, not a coach. I think that's a very good piece of advice. All right, let me let me go over one or two things very quickly here with you, Gabe. Uh, you've got Greg Little as your uh, the offensive tackle from Allen as your number one prospect in the state. You've got him committed to Ole Miss. Is that a rock solid commitment? Do we believe, or have the allegations at all against Ole Miss that came out last week has that put that in jeopardy at all? We hadn't heard anything uh, as far as uh, putting that in jeopardy. It, 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 he had gotten, you know, he was a, a long-time A&M commit, mm-hmm. and then uh, kind of surprisingly decommitted from A&M and was open for a few months, and it, it seemed to really come down to Ole Miss and Alabama. Um, wound up with Ole Miss. Ole Miss has done, uh, Ole Miss and Alabama both have done an uh, outstanding job recruiting the state of Texas. Uh Alabama's been doing it for a while, but Ole Miss really, uh, this cycle, 2016, I mean, they have the number one player in the state. They have a couple other four stars. They've got a three star from South Grand Prairie. Uh, and they've got several, several guys who will be players for them out of the state of Texas in this cycle. But, uh, I think, um, I think we all expect them to sign with Ole Miss and, uh, you know, A&M joining the SEC definitely helped their recruiting. Uh, on the grand scheme of things, but it has also opened up the state of Texas to the entire SEC. But does does A and M's recruiting now is A and M's recruiting suffering at all this year in in the wake of the instability in Sumlin staff? I think there may be a little bit of that. Um, you know, like you said, that uh, they're not ranked quite as high um, as they were the, the past couple of cycles. Um, they do have some targets who are in play within the next couple of days too and they could move up but uh i do think uh you know them kind of just treading water the last couple of seasons uh as far as performance wise uh may have have given them a little bit of a hit on the recruiting front this cycle and uh, speaking of a&m we we haven't really talked about much about their classes that and and what you talked about earlier of course sometimes sometimes you miss on guys who don't pan out but, uh, you know, I don't want to get you in any trouble with any coaches doing anything, but sometimes they don't get coached up very well either. Uh, so how much do we look at a guy like a, a Ricky Seals-Jones? Uh, how much do we look at uh, Speedy, Noel. Speedy Noel, uh, who really uh, neither one of those guys has exactly panned out. You know, now Christian Kirk has been terrific. You know, he's been everything that, that, that the Aggies could have hoped for. But these were these other two guys were guys who were really expected to come in and make a big splash, and neither one did. How much of that is those guys, and how much of it is that well, it looks like they're just not uh, progressing as they should under the right kind of coaching. Well, I think that that specific position is an interesting one to look at as it pertains to A and M because that's a that's a subject that gets brought up among 
people in our business a lot is is A and M recruiting receivers because they uh, they play a ton of receivers. And it doesn't really matter who you are, uh, you're going to be sharing time and you're going to be uh, rotating in and out. And, you know, it, you're, they're going to be spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys. And if you could stack uh, the, the targets and everything, that kind of bears out uh, on the on the stat page. Um, whereas, uh, you know, Baylor uses a lot of receivers, but they're going to have their best guys on the field for as many snaps as possible. Um, I, I think that... Uh, Statistically, how good Ricky Seals Jones and Speedy Noel and guys like that, uh, how good they are, is not really reflected in statistics because A and M sticks to their system and they stick to their receiver rotation, and it's a pretty strict rotation. I mean, even Josh Reynolds this year didn't put up big numbers, and you know there are a lot of people who who thought he was going to be the the you know Mike Evans 2.0. Can, can you, and, uh, Gabe? Can you recruit? Too many blue chippers at a position and and make it difficult for you in the future. You can't keep everybody happy. It's impossible. Is, is, should, yeah. is, there, is there a formula that you know you want one or two blue and you want guys who are just happy to be there or guys who will work hard to improve? I think that the I think there is something to that. I, I think there are two places on a team where you can't recruit too many blue chippers, and that's the defensive line and the offensive line. Right. And, and naturally, you know, there's uh, there's four or five guys on the field every down, so you can have more of those guys on the field. But um, that's really where you're making break. And I think that that's why um, I think that's why A and M. I expect them any. You know, you saw some of it this year, uh, this past season. But I think that there's this coming year they could be really, really good defensively because they, the past couple of cycles, they have recruited through the roof on the defensive side of the ball, specifically the D-line. And the D-line personnel they're going to have, uh, they're going to have a little more depth than they've had. Uh, and, and, I mean, when you're starting, your starting D-line is going to be uh, Miles Garrett, Dalen Mack, Zay Henderson, Deshaun Hall. I mean, those are... Uh, that's, there's two five stars in there, and Miles Garrett and Dalen Mack, and two uh, mid to high four stars with the other two. And uh, I mean, they've got guys coming in. Uh, Justin Matabike uh, is a five star for us. He's going to be a freshman. Uh, I mean, they uh, in your your back seven is really only as good as your front four, and and the way they're recruiting on the. Uh, the defensive front. I've got to think that that with a, a coordinator as good as Chavis has been for as long as he's been, um, that should really help them. Uh, you know, regardless of who the quarterback or what that situation is going to be on the other side of the ball. And that's what uh, we had RC Slocum on last week, and one of the things he talked about was the fact that A uh, and M is, if, if anything, on defense has just been really short at linebacker. Uh, and do you do you see that coming on then now at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think from uh, just an overall defensive standpoint, they've recruited they've recruited really well. I mean, the guy that uh, I think he redshirted this past year, uh, Landis Durham from Plano East, he's the type of like strong to high three star guy who is the you know you mentioned having guys who are the five stars and then guys who are the developmental types. He's the type of guy who could come on and be a good linebacker eventually for him. Uh, it really, for them, it's been numbers. 
uh, and they've recruited numbers on defense. Uh, when you recruit elite guys on the front and the numbers behind them, chances are you're going to end up with a good defense. What about it? it, uh, it how did explain to me how it was that that Charlie in his first year did not, as I understand, did not sign a single defensive lineman? Is that correct? His first class. Sounds. Uh, I'm trying to remember back to last year. That sounds. Uh, I want to say that that sounds right, and I'm trying to remember if it if that is. So 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 right so it, 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 if it was one or none, uh, that's not that's not very many. Uh, so this year, is he going to be able to make up for that? Well, that's what it's going to come down to on signing day. Um, they're going to be in play for Chris Daniels from Euless Trinity, uh, a top 150 guy for us. They're going to be in play for Jordan Elliott, uh, another uh, top 150 guy for us from Houston Westside, uh, Marcel Southall from Duncanville, uh, uh, a four-star guy, another four-star guy. So then, then two four-star guys out of the state of Louisiana. They're also in play for D tackle. So uh, they're they're looking to get a. Uh, a D-line haul, but it's going to come at the, the, the 11th hour. Okay, look into your crystal ball and tell us Wednesday afternoon, uh, the top three schools in Texas, uh, who will they be in, in, in recruiting this class? One, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if Baylor and TCU are where they are, I think that they'll be in that top three, but I think Texas is going to definitely want where Texas winds up as far as uh, ahead of those two or behind those two, they'll be in that top three. And uh, I think that uh, A&M, they have a couple on the line that it's going to depend. Uh, uh, they're, they're, I think they're murkier than Texas from a, a potential standpoint of how good this class could be for them. Um, I think Texas, uh, they, could really, they could really make a huge splash. And I think they'll be in the top three uh, in the state. Uh, but... As far as they end up moving ahead of TCU and Baylor, I'm not sure about that yet. All right, before we let you go, Gabe, let me ask you one very quick one here. Give me a name from your list of Texas guys from from the recruiting group in the state of Texas. Give me one guy who people should keep an eye on who's going to be an overachiever either next year or throughout his college career. Uh, we just uh, we just did something on this actually for scouts. And uh, a guy I really think who was under-recruited uh, was Ken McLaurin, a D tackle from Denton Ryan. He's committed to SMU. He may be the best player in SMU's class, uh, solid uh, mid, mid to high three-star guy, 6'2 and a half, 285. He's got all AAC uh, written all over him in his future. And uh, for some reason or another, uh, none of the power fives uh, here in, in, in within the region uh, ever took a shot at him, and I think he's going to be a really, really good player. And that brings us to SMU. I mean, has Chad Morris done a has, – has he impressed some people around the state pretty quickly? Yeah, he has, and that kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about uh, the relationships with high, high school, school coaches. coaches. Now, high school coaches aren't going to – uh, high school coaches aren't going to tell kids where to go. They don't dictate where a kid's going to go to school. Oh, but... my coach told me where to go. Once or twice, <laughs> he told me exactly where to go. <laughs> but uh, having the relationship and the, vis- the visibility is a huge thing. If you're a, 
a staff and you are out on the road and you're hitting every high school from uh you know on a stretch of highway for 200 miles then people know you're out there and you're beating the bushes and and that you're serious about recruiting their schools and you know the the, the staff at smu and and uh you know again jeff trailer at texas is another good example these are guys who are going to high schools that don't have any players this cycle just to make an appearance in case there are players in the future. I mean, that that's how important it is, the visibility part of it. And that's why uh, Art Browse is such a good recruiter um, at a school, you know, that traditionally is not a, a recruiting power. He is a Texas high school football guy. And, and when you're a Texas high school football guy and you can go in and you can relate to – everything at a school, the, the head football coach and AD, the players, the secretary, the school administration. I mean, you know how everything runs. And, and when you walk in there, you know what everybody's role is without ever having been there. Uh, you can relate to everybody. And the players notice that. And, and the coaches notice it. So uh, that, that's a huge thing here in, here in Texas as far as uh, the visibility and and. Uh, having guys uh, who can uh, relate to the situation that the high school coaches are in. Well, Gabe, this has been great stuff, and, and we definitely appreciate you setting Kevin straight on um, <laughs> on on him running off at the mouth on on this recruiting column from last week. And we've officially now dubbed you our recruiting expert, so uh, we'll we'll have you on call regularly. You might um, want to put that I'll, I'll in. Put that in your uh, byline, by the way. Yeah, uh, that, uh, Gabe Brooks, ballsy. Uh, recruiting expert. Yeah, ballsy. The most shocking thing I heard was that Evan was recruited in, in high school. I wasn't recruited you in high school. You said the coach told you where to go. Yeah, I'd show up in gym class you and he implied, told me where to go. You implied you were <laughs> recruited, and Gabe, I inferred it. I think we're he gonna, implied he was meant to go to hell. We're going to let you run that. for the time being. There's no sense in exposing you to Barry's idiocy. Yes. Um, All right. Take care, man. We'll we be in touch to. soon. Gabe, thanks. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. It was our pleasure. So, Kevin, he sounded he sounds more folksy than Kevin sounds. You know what? He, I thought it was Tim McMahon when he first came on. He sounds like Tim McMahon. Kevin, you're by so basically you're wrong. <laughs> Texas could could change. A I lot believe of I have a paragraph in that column. <coughs> Barry's making me cough. I believe I had a paragraph in that column that said if he if he finishes and gets the guys that everybody's saying he could get, I'm going to say he's the best closer since Mariano Rivera. But you also uh, – see, this is the way you work because at the Take end both of the sides year, of the street. Let's take both sides of the street. No, at the end of the year, you will also be able to use this column for the things I was wrong Things I wish time. I hadn't written. Right. So – It's good It's good to have that early fodder. I'll have this one down. I won't have to go look it up. That's what you do. You work for about 150 days, and then you just pile up stuff that you can run the rest yeah, of the absolutely. year. Absolutely. I was, You know, I, my point was in that column, and I stand by this, is that what he said about TCU and Baylor. The fact that those two schools, which have gotten which by, he, he concluded, you're <laughs> yes, right. He did. That, that these are these are schools that they're they're coaching them up there. There's no question about that. They're not having, <clears throat> they're they're not having busts. They're having guys that they're they're finding and developing and doing a good job with. And they've been and they're they they've been at the top of the country with these classes in the 30s and 40s. And not not just that. I thought the other thing that he said that's very interesting and you look at the commitment list from the state of Texas now, you look at Ole Miss and Alabama coming right. in and taking top five prospects. And Al- Alabama's taking big linemen. I think that's their formula. If you look at the list. I don't um, know if you looked at their team this year. They had a few big Well, linemen. I know. We, which kept Fort Worth. One of his oh, defensive yeah. tackles. But oh, yeah. Deshaun Robinson. You, you, t- you take the big linemen, 
And that and that's a pretty good way to start. Right, and then you run a big running back forty five times behind him. That's what oh, they do. Kevin, tell us how forty five times is too much for uh, him to run. That's too many times. But hey, but hey, you know, here's the thing about all that too. Is, is but what, what, to, to go back to the point though, what he's saying is that it has opened it up to the SEC, and right. they're siphoning off talent too, which is only going to continue, I think, to hurt Alabama, to hurt Texas. Oklahoma and Texas. But that was the, another point I made in that column was the fact that look, there's just so many great players to go around. There's lots of players. There's no question about that. But how many five Five star, they in on the scout they had five five star players. Right. Uh, well, I believe Rivals has three five star well, players. I'm just looking at, at, at a list here, and I'm shocked. Barry Switzer would be shocked to look at this list. There's no Oklahoma presence on this. And list. And that's what somebody somebody tweeted me that as well. He said, "Why? When are you going to criticize Oklahoma for not having a great recruiting class, and they're coming off being in the Final Four? Right. And, when are you? Uh, well, that's that's possible. But here's the thing: they're coming off the Final Four. Right, so I'm not going to criticize them too much. Tech, the, the point of the column was is that Texas has got a long road back. Yes, you know, they do. even if they have a good recruiting class, it's going to be tough because now now TCU and Baylor are recruiting better players, and they're already winning when they had lesser players. At least that's theoretically. This I'm, is the most you've ever talked about high school recruiting with somebody. Uh, well, except when my sons were being recruited. Except for that. Okay, I think that's that's, that's a no, but that's it's a true fact. He's 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 not he's not making up stories like you, Evan, <laughs> about being about having coaches talk to you. Kevin actually had coaches recruiting his sons. Let, let's let's just, let's just say that. Okay, you know, Evan did have his stepson recruited uh, to, to run track. That's, that's right. Yeah, and where did he wind up? Listen, I I had to I had a whole lot of bag money out there. Okay. <laughs> He wound up at the University of Arkansas, I believe. Is that correct? I believe that's a top ten program. Yeah, but it's, it's very good, Arkansas. You know, we were eating at Whiskey Cake last night, and they had an Arkansas track meet you and I, on TV. You and I ate at uh, Whiskey Cake about two weeks ago, yes, and, you, and, and you criticized it. The Arkansas track meet this weekend yeah. at Fayetteville at the indoor arena there, which is the world's fastest indoor track. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, yes, it. Uh, Why is it so I, fast? I, I don't know. I've learned all kinds of things. <laughs> Uh, was televised. Is it because yes. it's tilted? I think Is that I, why it's so fast? Well, before we sign off, I think the, the key word there was stepson uh, in, in the genes. Not a bloodline. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go now. Um, <laughs> this has been a great episode. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.